Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. All right, here we go. Jeremiah 50. The word which the Lord spoke concerning Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, through Jeremiah the prophet. Verse 2 says, begins the prophecy here in quotes, Declare and proclaim among the nations. Proclaim it and lift it up a standard. Do not conceal it, but say, Babylon has been captured. Bel has been put to shame. Marduk has been shattered. All right. So I want to uh, work through some of this may feel a little obscure if this is parts of scripture that you kind of gloss over because they don't include anything seemingly uh, applicable. Um, I will challenge that and say that every one of these prophecies against um, different nations, neighboring countries and peoples and governments and rulers, every one of these prophecies, when we dig in, we find that the same, in the same way that we, remember when we were going through the seven letters, the seven letter rampage, and we were talking about how the seven churches indicated sort of like the founding fathers of sects of theology and church today and trickle down for better or for worse in strength and in weakness till death do us part. Uh, and so we get into these prophecies and what we find is that every one of these prophetic utterances against these nations um, really reveals a modern-day stronghold. It reveals a modern-day oppression or uh, sort of satanic influence in the world today. Some of them are easier to identify than others, but we're going to just go through a couple of these real quick. So first of all, Jeremiah comes out of the gate with this prophetic word, and the first few words declare, proclaim, proclaim again, lift up, and do not conceal. There are a lot of commanding verbs here. And if we don't get anything else out of this, we have to get this. When the Lord gives us something and it's to be revealed, it needs to be revealed. Guys, I can't tell you enough. I think that Christians, I feel like in a weird way, Christians are like in hiding like more than ever before. And, and I get it, especially when you're in a real move of God that's actually manifesting and, and there are expressions of it that are culturally applicable. And you're like, we got to keep this quiet. This is actually working. You know, that thing, that feeling, that fear of like, okay, we've got this thing happening. We see God doing something, but if we open it up to the outside, um, it's going to, it's, we're going to lose the magic. When when God brings this prophetic thing and he says, proclaim it, declare it, proclaim it again, say it out loud, lift it up, don't conceal it. He's making the point that the ball is in your court. If you want to take a light and hide it under a bushel so that it's no good to anybody, including yourself, what's the point? But he's called us to receive, not just to receive from him, but then to take and reveal it, declare it. I know um, Kim and I were talking a little, uh, this last week about the river, uh, and we were kind of like, hey, man, we see God doing, like, there's literally, like, signs and wonders. There are miracles happening down there, um, not to mention just, like, good spirit-filled health care, like, really cool godly stuff. And the way that the Lord gave us a strategy to start this, there's, there, there's something about it that we kind of almost want to, like, keep off the radar, you know? It's kind of like, okay. Tell your friends and nobody else, you know what I'm saying? It's like a speakeasy down there, you know? 
like where you gotta like knock three times on the ceiling if you want me, twice on the pipe, if you just need a prescription, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all just need to knock the pipe in general. What? And, and, and yeah, there's like, a, there's like a safe word to get in. Um, and uh, I just, I love this. By the way, Kim Gagney turned 40 this week. And young lady, can I just say to you, I have never seen anyone accomplish in 40 years what you have accomplished. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for what it's been for this community and this region as a whole from my heart, from the heart of this church. Thank you for the sacrifices that you've made and the fact that you weren't afraid to raise up a standard. You know what this standard is? When I first read it, I'm thinking like, raise your standards. Like I'm thinking like, raise up a standard already, Christians, come on. That's what I'm thinking. That's not actually the kind of standard that's happening here. The standard here, the first place this standard uh, this word for standard is used is in the narrative of the bronze serpent. The bronze serpent was a standard. What it really means, the real accurate translation of this word is rally point. It's a place, it's literally a pole that would be raised up on a mountaintop so that when there is chaos in a battlefield, people know where to run to in safety. That's a standard. That's why it's so important that the bride of Jesus raise it up because there are those who are flocking, running in chaos, looking for a safe place, a place to rest. We're going to get there in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I kind of have to because we're running out of time. But I want to say this morning, saints, this is why it's so important that we raise up a standard, that we get the flag up the pole and say, here's what God's doing. Here's what the Father is saying. Here's what heaven is revealing. Here's what's happening now. This is the move of God. This is what it looks like in real time. This is what God's doing in my life. Because there are those who need to flock to that thing. They're dying. And unless that gets lifted up. You see, the risky, the risky thing about the prophetic. There's a lot of risky things about the prophetic. But the risky thing about the prophetic is that you hear it before you see it. And so that means that you could be wrong. Thank God we're not afraid of taking chances and taking risks. But Jeremiah was a prophetic voice to the people of God. And the, 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 the prophetic anointing, the prophetic voice to the church belongs to the prophet. But the prophetic voice to the world belongs to the church. I'm going to say it one more time in case you're writing anything down. The prophetic voice to the church belongs to the prophet. It's the prophetic office, and God gives us prophets. But the prophetic voice to the world is the church. So this raising up the standard, this was not just Jeremiah's job. This was the people of God collectively, corporately, raise up a standard, the remnant, the ones who are listening, the ones who are obedient, raise up the pole because there are those who have wandered too far and they're no longer hearing. And because they're no longer hearing, they're left to seeing. And if they can't see, surely they will perish. 
Do you see the importance, saints? Do you understand why it's absolutely imperative that we raise this thing up? What is this thing? It's what God's doing right now. Here we go. He gets into it. Proclaim it, lift it up. Do not conceal it, but say, Babylon has been captured. Somebody say amen. amen. Babylon has been captured. Bel has been put to shame. Marduk has been shattered. All right. So there is a modern day. I know, really, Zach, like ancient gods, is this necessary? Absolutely it is. And here's why. Because Bel, you ready for this? Bel was a, a, an evolved version of Marduk. So earlier Babylonian um, mythology and paganism, Marduk was a god. Uh, you know, they had gods of different things. And Marduk was a god of justice, compassion, and healing. Okay? However, as more and more cultural uh, influence came in, as Babylon would take over different areas and entities and other people groups would come in and their religious system evolved, Marduk turned into Bel. But Bel was the god of order and destiny. Now, if you want to go deep this morning, I'm going to tell you something. You can take it to the bank. When justice, compassion, and healing become our gods, they exalt themselves into order and destiny. When justice, compassion, and healing, all three good things, but when they are exalted as gods, they then are given the right of way to exalt themselves out of order, becoming order and becoming order and destiny for us. And now you see a church that has made justice their God. Now you see a church that has made compassion their idol. Now you see a church that has made healing the centrifugal force of everything that they are and do. And when that happens, order and destiny, what does it say? Are put to shame. We've lost order. We've lost destiny. The beliefs, why, why is the church having such a hard time raising up a standard and putting anything up on a pole? Because we've lost our way. We've lost order. We've lost destiny. We've gotten our eyes shifted off the, we're going to, again, we're going there in a minute. But We've got to understand that the same process that was true thousands of years ago is playing out on the stage of the world's religious systems today. Right. And, and I know that America has been likened to Babel, uh, Babylon. And, um, and if you can just run with me on that parallel for a minute. We have been distracted by justice, compassion, and healing. And if we're not going to allow those things to become shattered, and by the way, they have, just take a look around. Justice and compassion are so perverted right now that it's like, it's like in the New Testament when that which is evil is called good and that which is good is called evil. That's how backwards things are. But saints, those things will shatter when they're out of order, when they've exalted themselves to becoming gods. When they've, when they've pushed order and destiny out of place and have become order and destiny. And so I want to challenge us today 
Saints, I, I, I sense the Lord challenging us today to reel us back in, allowing, even if it requires order and destiny to be put to shame, the plans that we've made. I remember um, a few years ago, the Lord gave us his word, and it was like, man, everybody's goals, everybody's plans, everybody's everything, whether it was the economy, whether it was COVID, whether it was whatever was going on, everything was crashing and burning. It is by design so that order can be restored. Now, let's keep going here. If you keep going, for a nation, verse 3, has come up against her out of the north. It will make her land an object of horror. Do you know who that nation was? Persia. It was Persia. And there will be no inhabitant in it. Both man and beast have wandered off. They have gone away. In those days and at that time, declares the Lord, the son, watch this, this is important. The sons of Israel will come, both they and the sons of Judah. Now, this is the first time anybody's talking about the two, uh, the, the, the divided nation of Israel, the northern and southern kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Uh, this is the first time people are talking about them unified again. Everybody remember Solomon leaves the throne to Rehoboam. Jeroboam comes out of the woodwork and there's this big fight and, and uh, there's all chaos and holy hell breaks out. And at the end of the day, we end up with two divided kingdoms, just like the people of God are divided today. And there was a number of years ago that the Lord began to speak to me about Israel and Judah and talking about the big schism. Uh, schism? Schism. That big rift that took place, uh, what I see is that the two big camps of the church, and part of this is because uh, we have stood sort of on, um, on a fence between these two places, and his providence has been um, the colliding ground of folks with very traditional, liturgical, um, uh, very conservative uh, pasts, and uh, theological upbringings and those of a more charismatic Pentecostal nature. And years ago, I was preaching a message and the Lord used the, the Israel and Judah, the two kingdoms, to show me how these things were going back together. I think actually it was on a Tuesday night. We talked about tying the two sticks together. Was anybody here for that? And instead of like this, they were tied together like that. Anyway, I don't know if that's on record or not. But the point is this. The point is this. There is an unprecedented disinterest in doctrinal division right now. And I'll say that as a pastor that meets with pastors, um, a pastor that sits in circles of folks who only a few years ago were consumed with doctrinal division. There is, an, I'm going to say it again, an unprecedented disinterest in doctrinal division. Amen is right. Why? because of an unprecedented awareness of iniquity. Isn't it crazy that when we can get really real about the brokenness in us, that the things that we were so proud of that we got right start to fade away? And that's what I'm believing. I think this is just the first few steps on a journey that the Lord is bringing his people on, saints. And it's so important that we go on it with him. It's so important that our attention from like, well, maybe it's the order thing. Well, this seems out of order. Or maybe it's the, uh, I don't like the way this is happening. Or, you know, I, I, the Lord's called me over here to this church and, you know, I've got a lot of issues. Yeah, you do have a lot of issues. But if we can get more of a sense 
of the global iniquity issue that needs and requires the blood of Jesus, I believe that there will grow that disinterest in doctrinal division. And they come back. They come back. And both they and the sons of Judah as well, they will go along. And this line right here, we don't like this, weeping as they go. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations. Um, don't read it unless, you know, the sun is shining and you've got a Coke in your hand. You know what I'm saying? And a cupcake in the other. Weeping as they go. What are they weeping from? They're weeping from all the necessary tragedies. The tragedies required to bring us back. Persia, saints, was required to disrupt the comfort of Babylon. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, well, this modern nation is Persia and this and that and the other. I, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned with global powers and infrastructures right now than I am with what's happening uh, in the spirit. And what's happening in the spirit as that Babylonian pursuit of comfort has infiltrated the church. And so we've seen our, our priorities get out of whack. And we've watched over decades as things that should be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place become first, second, third. And we've watched our destinies fall by the wayside. And so along comes Persia. And you want to hear something crazy about Persia. The king of Persia is called the Lord's anointed one. There, there is messianic prophetic stuff written about the Persian king. A pagan man. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was on him to disrupt the comfort that had sacrificed the destiny and the order of his people. It makes me wonder today if it feels like our comfort is being disrupted and sacrificed, could it be the hand of the Lord? There's only so many blind eyes we can turn before we're just blind. Let's keep going. And it will be the Lord their God they will seek. They will ask for the way to Zion, turning their faces in its direction. They will come that they may join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. Okay, Jeremiah. They'll ask the way. But what I want to ask this morning is, who are they asking? They'll ask the way. But who are they asking? They're asking a remnant. They're asking the ones that haven't yet bowed their knee to the gods of this world. They're asking for someone who has the standard to raise. You can't raise anything unless you have it. Most Christians had it. If you had a real ever relationship with Jesus, there was something in your possession, in your spirit to raise up as that signal, as that sign to say, this is a safe place. This is a place of promise. This is a place of principle. This is a place of the statutes and the heart of God. This is a place where the spirit can land. But what happens is when we have no no purpose for that, when we have no use for that over years and decades go by, we lose it. Where'd that thing go? Remember that thing you had 25 years ago? I had it around here somewhere. You cleaned out your garage in there? I haven't cleaned out anything since then. 
Okay, so you still have it. I might have sold it in a yard sale. I don't know. You see what happens when we don't use this stuff? When it doesn't become our own standard? We don't have anything to offer anybody else. And we hear the prophetic voice say, raise it up, proclaim it, declare it, proclaim it, declare it, say it. Do not conceal it. How much clearer can it get? Why? Because in the last days, there will be a return. When the comfort is no more. When Bel has been put to shame and Marduk has been shattered. And all the other things that we've made gods don't show up for work. They will come asking the way. And my great concern is that there will be those of whom they can ask. That this church, the one I'm responsible for, that this group of people, that we're not ashamed, that we're not afraid, that we know right where that thing is, and we know to lift it up and become that place of gathering. They will ask for the way to Zion, turning their faces in its direction. They will come that they may join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant. I love this right here. It will be the Lord they seek. It will be the Lord they seek. Pastor John and I were watching um, a YouTube on the, uh, it's called like what really happened at the Toronto outpouring, the Toronto blessing, is that what they call it? And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys who was there for many of the years that that revival was taking place, he's talking about how uh, the, the, if there was one overarching thing to describe it, it is that, it is that God came and did. It was a place, like we started off with, where God could come and minister to people. It was a place where your call didn't have to come from a man. Your ministry didn't come from a man. He said there was never a, a certain speaker associated with that revival because they were different. People come, people go, this guy in, this guy. Maybe there was none for a while, but people came and met the Lord there. It was the Lord they were seeking. When it's the Lord we're seeking, when it's really God, that's what I love about this church. That's what I love about, I have conversations with people and it just blesses my heart to know that people are just here. They're not here to, for an outlet for their talent. They're not here for, you know, to, to get a good word. Pastor, that's a good one. No. You're lucky if you get a good word here. <laughs> the best thing that can happen to you is you run into God. That you're on a collision course with the Holy Spirit. Because... If that happens today, tomorrow someone will come seeking. Someone will come asking, hey, is there a safe place? Hey, is there, is, there, is there a mountaintop around here somewhere? I've got to end this. Let's stand together. I love it right here. And they will join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. See, the problem is never with covenant. The problem is with forgetfulness. Okay? When, 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 when your marriage got cold, it wasn't that there was ever an issue with the covenant. It's that you forgot the covenant. And, and that 
that happens with the Lord. We forget that we made him our Lord and our Savior. We forget that we made him the master of our lives. We forget that we accepted the gift of his blood. We forget that that means that our destiny has changed. We forget it. We forget the covenant. They will be joined in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. And I want to close in verse 6 here. It says, my people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They've made them turn aside on mountains, and they have gone along from mountain to hill. As I was reading that, I felt like the Lord just dropped, like for each one of those lines, a reality. And perhaps the most sobering is that first one. Their shepherds have led them astray. Dang it. This is where it reflects badly on my people. The leaders of the church, the ones entrusted with the stewardship of the move of the Holy Spirit, the ones who've been neglectful, ignorant, indulgent, prideful, careless, reckless, forgetful. I know you've heard Pastor Kurt, you've heard me up here repenting on behalf of church leadership. And I'm gonna do it again. If you're in this room this morning and a shepherd has led you astray, I want you to know this morning that that is not the heart of the Father. That was not our good shepherd. You see, when we come seeking the Lord, the, the erroneousness and fallacy of man, it's not really that big of a deal. When we come seeking the Lord, when our covenant is with him, when our ministry is from him and not man to man all the time, when man drops the ball, when man gets it wrong, when man operates in the flesh or women, it's not that big of a deal anymore. It doesn't wreck my day when somebody has a moral failure or a character flaw or a, or a whatever issue. It's like, oh, that's right, you're just a dude. Got it, thanks for trying. What if that was our response when we're wronged by, by leaders of the faith? whether personally or globally. What if that was our response? Lord, help them to grow past that and to move into a better place. God, speak life and conviction over their home, their family, whatever it is. But I repent and I apologize for the way that the church has led so many astray. This is not a call to come back to church. This is a call to come back to the Father. They've made them turn aside on the mountains. Now it's going to get specific. And they've gone along from mountain to hill. As soon as I read that line, the Lord said, my people have exchanged the highest place for a high place. You see, when we're led astray, the, 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 capital, the capital achievement there 
is that the mountaintop where we meet God is not the destination. That's the lie. And so when you have a shepherd that's turning his sheep away from the mountaintop, when you have a shepherd that's saying, yeah, 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 you met with God, that's great, but let's go do this. Let's go try this. Come over here and worship compassion with me. Come over here, let's make a sacrifice to, to, to justice. Come over here and let's talk about healing. Wait, but I was up at the, with the Lord up here on the mountain. Yeah, 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 but come follow me. And it says, when they've turned from mountaintop to hill. If I'm on a mountaintop, the only thing I'm looking for, saints, is a higher mountaintop. Okay? I got, and I don't care what valley I have to go through to get there. All right? That's where we're going, up there. We want to meet with him in a more intimate way than ever before. We've got to stop exchanging the highest place. That intimacy, that nearness, that proximity, that oneness, that covenant with him. We've got to stop exchanging it for the high places. And that's what happened with the, with the kings over Israel and Judah's history. They would, they would come in and when they got distracted by other gods, they would set up high places. Asherah poles. They would set up uh, little altars and things in high places forgetting the highest place, the highest call to be one with the Lord. And I'll close with this line right here. They've gone along from mountain to hill and have forgotten their resting place. See, that's what it's all about right there. That's what we do on the mountaintop. We rest. That's what we do when we come in and we meet with him. We rest. I think there's been a move uh, that has kind of perverted this idea of rest. And it's been like, oh, rest means that you can't do or that you shouldn't do, that, you, that you, you're doing too much, you're involved in too much, you're not resting. That's not what godly rest is. Godly rest is soul rest. It's spirit rest. It's you can work an 80-hour week and still be at rest. You can minister every time the church doors are open and still be at rest. I know. <laughs> They've forgotten their resting place. And so work, works, has become the bad guy when that was never the Lord's intention. Works was never the bad guy unless you've forgotten your resting place. Saints, I am praying that we are a church that can lead people to the resting place, that can lead people to the mountaintop, that can raise up that standard. And by the way, that standard was usually raised up on a mountaintop for, for the sake of visibility. I look across this room and I see people that the Lord is placing in realms of visibility. There are promotions taking place in here. There, there are gifts being leveraged by heaven. The gifts are bringing you before kings for one reason and one reason only, so that when you lift up that standard, more people can see it. There are people moving into offices 
moving into spheres of influence that you've never had and you don't feel like uh, you are worthy of. In fact, I wanna pray over you. And I don't care what time it is. This is more important. If that's you and maybe there has been a shift in your practical real life world, maybe your job, your home, whatever it is, if, there, if, if this is more of a conceptual thing, it's a spiritual thing, it's something that you know is happening in your walk with the Lord, the same thing goes. Step out of your seat and meet me down here. If you feel like the Lord is moving you into a place of authority, a place of office, a place of promotion, I know sometimes we have the altar call where we're gonna speak it over people, but this church is full of people. You're already doing this. You're already there. Yeah, this is good. Yep, good, 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 good. Quick, 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 quick. Anybody else? Not quick because we're running out of time. Just quick. Good. Because I want to pray over this group down here. Raising up a standard. Raising up a standard. You have to be at rest. How am I going to rest? More is required than me from ever, than ever before. How am I going to rest? Because it's about where you're resting in your spirit. If you're not starting from a place of rest, you're failing. You've got to get quiet with the Lord. You've got to learn how to rest. You've got to let the Holy Spirit teach you and show you how to rest. But as a rested remnant, you will be the ones. In fact, some of you down here this morning, you've already noticed people have begun to come to, ask, to you to ask for advice and counsel. People are calling you up that haven't talked to you in years just to say, hey, I've got this decision I need to make. What do you think about this? Get used to it. It's gonna happen more because the Lord is looking for a people who aren't afraid to stand at the top of a mountain and say, this is where we gather in the presence of God. This is where we gather in the truth of Jesus Christ. This is where we rest. There's gonna be some of you down here and you are, you just like this church, when we started 11 years ago, there's gonna be some down here and there's an anointing on you to minister to the wounds that have been inflicted by bad shepherds. And you're gonna be given uh, strategy and prescription on how to see healing take place in the lives of those who have been broken and abused by, by men and women who are in places of spiritual authority. Please accept that. We need that. Please accept that. There are people in this church who need that. Please accept that, saints. There are people coming in to the 11 o'clock service who are in triage because of, of the injuries they have sustained. Let it come from a place of rest. They will come asking. They will come seeking, not you. If you're already being exalted in a place, if you're already being promoted, if you're already sensing yourself moving up in the ranks of whatever area it is, I want you to be on the lookout because Satan loves promotion as much as God does. Because he will turn that around and use it against your hind end. Nasty, dirty word called pride. Well, I'm in this place now. I have this authority now. I have this title now. I'm on this team now. I'm doing this ministry now. 
they're not seeking you. No one's ever seeking you. If they are, they're wrong, and you've got to redirect them. They're seeking the Father. They're seeking the Lord. And you are there to facilitate covenant. Facilitate covenant. Tattoo it on your chest. (laughs) Facilitate covenant. I am a covenant facilitator. That's what I do when I stand up here with couples, when I'm marrying them. On the paper, it's called officiant. But I'm standing right here, right? Standing right here, facilitating covenant. Saints, this is who we are between porch and altar, reuniting the people of God to their Father. So Lord, we thank you this morning for that place of rest. God, I pray for those, God, who are down at this altar who are being called to more and they are literally wondering how they're gonna fit the stuff on the calendar, how they're gonna fit it into their day, how they're gonna get it in their schedule, how they're gonna turn 24 hours into 48. Um, God, I pray that the sun would be held still in the sky for those that need it so that rest can be obtained in a holy way. Father, I pray for restoration over those who are still feeling tired um, from the last season. God, that they would experience supernatural rest, not natural rest. That's not what we're after here. We need rest in the spirit. God, I pray for those who have the standard somewhere in their garage, buried under stuff in their basement, God, uh, somewhere up in their attic, Lord. I pray for the grace and the intuitiveness to go in and seek that thing out that is more needed now than ever before. Lord, a, a, a shamelessness to raise that thing up and help those who have seen their gods be shattered. For those whose comfort has been shattered. God, that we would be the voice, that we would be that bride, that church, with the prophetic voice to this world, saying, come and rest, come and rest, come and rest. Lord, I pray for divine strategy. I pray for specific words to be given. I pray that people would wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, writing prophetic words down for people in their sphere of influence. God, I pray that that you would burn these things into us so that when we go about our day, God, that we can speak truth and speak life over all that we encounter. God, I pray that we would submit ourselves to that shift of, of, of seeing justice and compassion and healing shatter. Why don't these things work anymore? Because we made them gods. Lord, help us to steer people back towards real order and real destiny. We thank you, Lord. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.